expressed in this podcast did not necessarily reflect the view of Wolfpack Research or any of its officers. The views and opinions expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. We are not investment advisors. We hold no registrations with the SEC, FINRA, or any other regulatory agency, and none of the opinions expressed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. The listener should assume that we have positions in and stand to benefit from any stock or other security mentioned on this podcast. Do your own research before making investment decisions. All right, welcome to the Wolf Den, everybody. This is Dan David coming at you on a special kind of show. A in remembrance and memorial of Matt Farrell, a member of the Wolfpack team since 2019, a member of the short community since really the dawn of time. Forever, yeah. Uh, we have, of course, the ever-present, can't get rid of, Sound Carl, who also had a a really funny relationship with Matt to discuss and some other very notable people in our community, you know, just in no particular order, starting top left, Roddy Boyd of, you know, surf. And he has broken some of the most major short stories in uh, the recent decade, uh, Valiant Pharmaceuticals, notwithstanding a few others, Insys was probably most important to me. Soren A. Andal. <laughs> Uh, I joke with Soren. We can still have fun with uh, Blue Orca. Done a great job since he started his own shop. Jacob Ma Weaver, who I know that Matt, you know, thought of very, very fondly. And he's with Cable Car Capital. Maybe not somebody sees every day, but uh, is very, very smart investor. Speaking of smart investors... We have uh, Freddie and Carson with us. Thanks for joining us, guys, in their uh, back cave in, uh, in Austin. That really looks like a nice place. Public access television studio. Oh, no. Stop <laughs> it. Well, it's a little better than the inflatable tree behind Dan. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's real. That, that's I don't know what the, you're thinking. That's Law Library at University of Michigan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, there you they go. One. And uh, and rounding it out with us is John Cheffers. He is one of our analysts and directs a lot of our research uh, with Wolfpack and does a great job with us and has had a relationship with Matt since he's joined us. Just starting it out, I think I think people understand at this point Matt's no longer with us. And uh, when people ask me about, you know, how or why Matt passed, I think the simplest explanation I can give is that Matt Matt died the way he lived helping somebody that, you know, not many other people would want to help. He was really remarkable that way. Uh, he would give you his last dime, really. And he was down to his last dime a lot of times. But, you know, it, wouldn't, it really wouldn't matter to Matt. And I don't think we should dwell on that incident as much as just what a great guy he was. Uh, so, again, to put it on the spot, Roddy, you're top left in uh, Hollywood Squares here. Maybe you could tell us how you came to know Matt. Probably so many years ago you forgot, but uh, or some. I heard an interesting story about you meeting him. You're one of the few people that he he met up with in person a lot of times. Yeah, I mean Matt. Uh, I, I founded the uh, Southern Investigative Reporting Foundation, uh, Berserk Shoestring Operation in uh, summer 2011, and we launched I think in early 2012. 
went after a, 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 just a, an abusive, uh, uh, soon attempted IPO uh, called uh, it was uh, uh, it was Blythe. Uh, it was it was this ridiculous MLM. And uh, I, I threw everything I had at it repertorially. And uh, I got this, you know, I launched the story and then Jeffrey pulls, Jeffrey's and company pulls the IPO. And uh, uh, I got this, uh, let's say it's a, a small term paper of, of a comment, you know, from a, from a, a reader. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, it, it, when you're a reporter, you get really used to these things. And uh, uh, it, was, it was just Matt. You know, he was just announced as a freelance short researcher and he hated multi-level marketing companies. And uh, uh, but it was an incredibly deeply thought out thing. And, and like, you know, Dan and I talked about Matt uh, several times since, you know, we learned of, of uh, his tragic passing. And uh, Dan had one of the great lines uh, and I'm going to butcher it. So, Dan, you got to be on your feet here is, uh, you know, there was there was no subject like that Matt wouldn't be an expert in the arcane fringe of. Yeah. Uh, if, if that makes any sense, although it makes a lot of sense. I know that I like Carson, Freddie and Soren and those guys, you know, every Jacob who knew him, it, it, it's, he had sort of been prompted to study the history of multi-level marketing uh, in the U S which is a, a, you know, just a catalog of crime. And, uh, and, and, you know, he would send me these 5,000 word research notes on it. None of which you could use. Uh, but I mean, it was, he really had become considered. I certainly wasn't going to pay him. Yeah. I mean, like here's, he was studying, like he got prompted to go to a, a, a lot of multi-level marketing companies. I'm not trying to be political or cultural. Or I don't want to offend anybody, but a lot of these, um, MLMs, um, originating utah and particularly with uh, the predominant religion out there which you know uh, mormons just the most corrupt white people on the planet earth and and, and yeah. so uh, uh not offensive they, at all <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and and so they they he, he would he go he tried to get like i don't want to say infiltrate but he was doing deep level you know uh deep background research you know like in these t- temples uh, I don't know if he had the underclothes right. Uh, uh, I guarantee you. Know, he, he, yeah. 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you're right. If it was done in Seersucker, you're right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he, he would like write these reports about, you know, the people and the personalities and send them to me. And I'm like, this is one eighth the most brilliant stuff I've ever seen. This is seven eighth you know, late night AM radio, like late night with what's that guy, Art Bell, you know, you're driving late at night, you know, people are calling in about abductions. They've just witnessed <laughs> alien abductions. And, and I, I kind of fell in love with a guy, you know, male crush then. And, and, uh, you know, and he found out that I, I did a, a master's thing in history at a previous life. And, um, he was obsessed with special operations using the Marines, you know, and, and so he would, and he was the least say, likely Marine you'd ever met. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean the most, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I mean like top 10 people, you know, you'd see in a crowd and no, oh, who was, you know, Marine rifleman and, you know, not him. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I just, he just, you know, the second I, we would talk fairly regularly, uh, the second to last time we talked, uh, quite candidly, it was, you know, I, I've shared often publicly about my struggles with addiction and uh, particularly alcoholism and uh 
you know, Matt was talking to me about, you know, some of the stuff going on and, and uh, you know, he was facing with that relationship. Uh, and, and, but the, then the last time he talked, it was all about, uh, he had been approached by an English, you know, kind of like an English black cube and they wanted him to uh, work for them to, to help understand the various players in the short community. He was fairly convinced it was Frazier, uh, you know, using like an Oxbridge accent. Uh, but, but, uh, and I, by the way, I, I think that's his, which yeah. is a completely rational interpretation. Totally, totally that fucking not, rational. That's absolutely the on the. You got to be kidding me, seriously. Absolutely, it's on the uh-huh. table. Okay. It was. It was just great, you know, having to talk into him, and then a week later, obviously, I, I just would. I'll leave this. I heard the American accent sounds like John Wayne. <laughs> it sounds like John Wayne if John Wayne was trying to be a drunk John Fickthorn. And, uh, isn't that, uh, is, guys, isn't that Ian Holland said? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, and we're so, actually going to have him on our podcast, Ian Hollings. Properly so. And so I, I just want to leave you guys, you know, I, I would leave the audience with this, you know, just hit you know, throw, throw in Matthew Farrell and, and, and Charlottesville VA into Google search engine. And, you know, Matt astounded me. I, in all seriousness, let me just drop it real serious here. He was the most loyal donor Surf ever had. Wow. He sent $10 a month from the second or third month, a $10 a month check from the second, my third month of uh, March of, of 2012, the month prior to his death. And, and he, he obviously never had 10 cents to rub together. And Dan's probably got a hundred stories there, but um, he, he, you should Google Matthew Farrell Schultz from VA because he was so beloved of that arts and cultural community. And look, I know Charlottesville, all this, it, it, all this there is a, a good state school and rich people's horse farms. But I, I, I swear to God, he was the prime mover of a hundred art gallery openings and probably closings, 200 coffee shop openings and 300 like, you know, pop-up, you know, movie and, and documentary. I mean, you know, he was having movies filmed on his product and all those people got together in the, in the comment sections of like, you know, the Reddit Charlottesville subreddit and, and the, the alt papers in Charlottesville and it was just people pouring their heart out. You know, I mean, you know, artists who've never made it big, but owed Matt their life and documentary filmmakers who quite frankly shit the bed, but you know, Matt held a grip for them, rock bands, alternative bands that he worked as a roadie for, for his week vacation, you know, when Dan wasn't whipping and driving them. I mean, the, the time he came to Wilmington, North Carolina, where I live, uh, I was visit, you know, he brought, uh, his girlfriend with him and and uh, and she basically sat in the corner for an hour as Matt they, they were walking to meet me at a coffee shop and they found a band setting up at a at a bar and Matt automatically became their best friends and started running wires into the you know like the rhythm guitar stack and the bass stack and the key you know and it was just they they didn't have a roadie so he worked as a roadie for, so that's how I really the first time I met Matt was I was hauling in bass guitars and, and like, you know, like snare drums for some shit band in Wilmington, North Carolina, a seventh level American city. 
And, you know, Matt made best friends with them because he just loved people who put themselves out there. Look, I've gone on too wrong. I, I it cut two thirds of this. It's the deluded ramblings of a lunatic. Oh, we're going to uh, all of it. Yeah, I yeah, love the yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm I'm there's I'm bereft and bereaved, and I'm not going to get over it for a long time. Keep that in, okay? No, thanks uh, a lot. You know, and and Rowdy, I, I I didn't know he donated every single month, and like you know, you every know, month yeah. my my accountant called me, not not to interrupt you. She, no. The surf's bookkeeper called me, and she said. And, you know, she's a nice old lady. She asked me where, you know, the $10 was. And, oh, and she, oh, I told geez. her, I said, look, Matt died. And she just started screaming. Oh. You know, I mean, it was like, the, it was just, you could sit. Oh. He got, if the 15th of every month, that $10 check came in, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, and when we talk about, like, you know, famously, Matt was, uh, was behind the eight ball financially for, you know, all the time we saw him. It's, he didn't work for a very long time after LexisNexis. He was just kind of on his own as a... As a pi- private contractor, so it was very, very spotty. I remember when he first started working for us, he was he, he was grateful after a couple of ideas. We're on the phone and we hear this banging, and he's like, "Oh, uh, sorry about the banging, guys. Um, um, I'm having floors put in." And uh, I was like, "Oh, well, that's great. You're getting new floors." He's like, "No, I didn't have floors. <laughs> I'm having them put in." <laughs> and, you know, and. He really took pride in upgrading that property he had and, and finally getting beyond the eight ball uh, these last few years. But he, you know, obviously couldn't get beyond a relationship. And he really loved being, you know, a part of this community. And it, just a little bit about how Matt would sound when you talk to him. This is, this is a Marine, right? When he talks about us, he, his quote, even on his LinkedIn page, you can go to it. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back. <laughs> For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. This guy talked like this every day. I mean, I think you could really use that in a report, Dan, and I think that's what's been missing. Yeah. You know, yeah. he actually ghost wrote some uh, Harlequin novels, yeah. you know, the Fabio yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> I could see that in some of the things that Roddy's talking about. And I think everybody could say, like, the research that he would send, God bless you, Matt. We miss you. But if I would ask for a background on a CEO, I would get a shotgun blast to the face of 500 pages of everywhere that guy went for his entire life. <laughs> Uh, rather than what's re- relevant. And I, I remember calling Carson one day and asking him, and I'm just like, Carson, you know, what do I do? I don't have time for all this. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I have to come down. He's going to have to change. And Carson's like, dude, don't change people like that. <laughs> it's just, you go with it. You know, you, you got to pick it out. You got to find somebody else to find the, the, the nuggets in there. And, um, you know, I disagreed. And Carson was absolutely right. No matter how many times I talked to him, that never changed. <laughs> he always sent us that shotgun blast of information. But thanks for your perspective, Roddy. And, uh, you know, I jump, jump in again as you, as you feel some, some other story pops up. Maybe Soren will jog your memory when he starts in and tells us about his relationship with Matt. I, you know, I was thinking about this. Was, were we the first people to hire Matt in this space? Full time. I mean, in, in, in about like, um, six or seven years. Yeah. We were the, cause how did we, how did we get, how did he come referral referred to us? Like, I feel like it was, we had just moved to Austin. So it was like, maybe like 
14, 13, 14, like we, I think we were the first people to hire him full time in the space. Uh, I think maybe one I don't of know. Maybe maybe Weikert found him dumpster diving somewhere or something <laughs> like that, or shark diving. Weikert, like Weikert definitely found him. The, the funny story that I remember about Matt is is our first interview with him. So so we we, we were pretty to say that we were pretty new on the scene and 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 we're like pulling stuff together by our you know pulling stuff by our bootstraps is like an insult to bootstraps everywhere. Like we. <laughs> We we interviewed Matt. We flew him out to Austin. I don't know if any of you guys saw that first office that we had in um, out of that house. I mean, this is a place that like a junkie would be embarrassed to be in. Like it was just it was just. So and I bet shitty. he did nothing but compliment it. Oh my god, he was so excited. He like <laughs> literally walks in, and first of all. You know, Weikert's got probably like flip flops and like a condom on from the night before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's why. Yeah, yeah. I was wearing rubbers back then. Yeah, yeah. I've like got. I'm I'm obviously dressed very casually. This guy walks in for an interview, and it's the first time I've ever seen him. And and Matt's got you know he's got that perfectly coiffed like kind of marine kind of haircut that you guys he's had it for years, right? It's just the same yeah. one. He's dressed like he's dressed very like Southern Brooks Brothers kind of conservative, but very formally, even though we told him, hey, we're not like a formal organization. Yeah. Hmm. So Matt walks up the door. What is a building that should, by all intents and purposes, be condemned? And he walks in and it's this like shitty house with like a bunch of monitors in it. And Matt's just like the first thing he says to us is just like, guys. It's so great to be interviewing at a proper hedge fund. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Like, who's gonna tell him? <laughs> don't, like, don't say. It. I looked at Weikert and I was like, "Dude, shut! Like, don't fucking say anything." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, you're hired. Yeah. yeah, you're you're in, bro. You're you're in, and you know, I think Roddy's stories like that, you know, really encapsulates Matt. He was. He was like such an like an erudite guy. Um, he was just the level of like inane detail, and and we had no business hiring him. Like we were working primarily on Hong Kong ideas at the time, where you know his investigative skills were essentially kind of wasted. Like because his his access and his and his you know his investigative work was just you know primarily useful you know, investigating U.S. companies and the level of just granularity, detail and everything, it was just completely wasted on us. But, you know, one of the nicest people that is in this space and space kind of attracts its fair share of, uh, what's the word for it? <laughs> Characters? Like guys? Assholes? Yeah, like assholes. Guys like Ian Hollings. People with people with offices not as nice as yours. Oh, there's a few guys with offices not as nice as those ones. Yeah. <laughs> no question. Um, but you know, Matt always, you know, always stood out as someone who was just like one of the sweetest and most genuine people um, you know, in in the space. And obviously a complete tragedy um, yeah. what happened, but hilarious guy hey, i mean touching on what you talk about like how you first meet matt uh, just so you know he he wore a dinner jacket to the toilet i mean yeah, and, yeah. It, and it always had some kind of patch on the pocket and in fact when, when wolfpack had their first meeting he comes in and he's got patches for everybody oh that, my god that's right wolfpack. i still have them yeah. over here because you know quite frankly none of us are going to fuck up a jacket putting a patch on it <laughs> 
<laughs> but he had several of them with a Wolfpack patch, and it was—I think it's from his, you know, growing up going to uh, you know the Exeter Academy or wherever he went. But that was him—a seersucker suit, or you know, a blue blazer with gold buttons on it, or or whatever. And super deferential. I mean, you'll read about things like he would do when he meets you. You would almost bow. He even wore that blazer when he went golfing. He did wear the blazer when he went golfing. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and he took a club from like 1910 and smacked that ball 300 yards with it. He, he showed up with clubs that looked like they were bagger right out vans. of bagger vans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I mean, the, the bag you could fit one hand around, <laughs> you know. And uh, he's like, oh, I got these out of the trash. He's like, these are great. You know, I've, I've traced them back to the 1930s. And he's a terrible golfer. Uh, but at one point... <laughs> He takes a three wood that is, you know, I'm um, half the size of your hand from back then, and he smacks it 350 yards. That's how it's done. Damn. Yeah. 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 Mm. And he never complained. He just he just enjoyed being out there with people, you know. So Jacob, let's transition. Yeah. Well, what about you and Matt? Matt was always so fond of you. How did you have that spell over him? <laughs> Well, I, I feel like I'm going to echo Roddy a little bit. Uh, he he started off as my pen pal as well. Uh, you know, when I had my one and only um, published research report and, and foray into the work you guys do on a regular basis before deciding I wanted to be more behind the scenes, you know, Matt wrote me out of the blue. And, and it was one of these long form missives with the... Uh, you know, beautiful choice of words and, and diction that just gave me balls and stopped me in my tracks. And I said, wow, I've got to meet this guy. And not dissimilar from Soren, you know, I, I, I didn't even have an office. I was working out of a one-bedroom apartment at the time. So it was a long time before I could hire anyone. Uh, you know, actually, here I am nine years later with my first employees. So it's been a journey for me personally. But you know, Matt was one of the first people I ever worked with on something contract based. And, you know, since we had in common that that lack of uh, really excess nickels to rub together, um, we worked together on some um, investigative work for, for regulators that was done on a totally contingent basis. Like we we put together some material. We knew five to 10 years later, there was a snowball's chance we might get uh, some recompense from the government for our work and the snowball you never know, showed people, up yeah well people on this call have had varied experiences there and I'm, I'm sad to say the thing i worked with matt on did not materialize mm -hmm. but it was one of those things where i, I actually i'll mention what it was because i want to give him credit in a way that i know the government never will but we we did a lot of work on the binary options industry, as some of you know, and Forex platforms, um, unregistered CFD brokers, binary options brokers, and the like, before all of those shysters pivoted to crypto, was a, a big problem. And, and the government ended up bringing a number of enforcement actions uh, against entities like Talonex, which was an offshore FX broker, um, spot option, which was the big white label platform for hundreds of these things. And what Matt did in his characteristic way, you know, 500 page shotgun blast to, to the powers that be, was really to list off 
well, well over a hundred of those entities with an idea that like, you know, putting it all together, figuring out who to charge for what conduct, analyzing the uh, securities law violations or Commodities Act uh, violations, that, that was a role for someone else. But actually putting together the list of, of places that people needed to be warned about, that was, that was the priority. And how can we help the, you know, poor sops who are tricked into trading on these platforms ultimately avoid them? And I, I think the thing he would be really proud of, uh, I, I know he was proud of, and I, I, um, I, I would like the public to know, is that the CFTC's red list, uh, which stands for registration deficient, you know, I, I don't know if they would say so. I'm sure they had staff members who, who worked very hard on it as well. But, you know, I, I think Matt was instrumental in, in helping to bring that about and, and at least contributing 40 or 50 of the names that appeared on it. And, you know, I can't sit here and tell you how many um, people uh, avoided putting their life savings on some of these platforms as a result. But if it was even one, I, I think Matt would have felt really good about that. Yeah. Um, so that was a project we worked together on. But, you know, over the years, I just got to know him as a person. And, and I think to Roddy's point, um, he, he really was a renaissance man. I mean, we're here talking about him from the standpoint of people who worked with him in a professional capacity and this later in life hard turn that he took into the world of activist short selling. But, you know, he was an artist and a writer and a musician himself. And, you know, one day out of the blue, he sent me a, a soapstone carving that I, I have here. Um, of, of just a little wabi-sabi style, um, you know, teacup that, that he made. And, and it was just one of the that I didn't deserve and, and really treasure now for, for more than I um, ever would have before. It actually makes me choke up a little bit every time I see it. But I, I brought it out for this just, just to share that, you know, he was the kind of guy who would just do something like that out of the blue for a friend and let you know that he was thinking of you. By the same token, you know, when some of his relationship troubles were, were at a nadir, he was someone who would always be thinking of others. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as close and in contact with him at, at the point in his life where things were worse, but it was the same sort of thing where, out of the blue, when he was having a bad day, I might hear from him. And, and there was one day where very memorably, he wrote one of those, you know, multi-page um, uh, missives, uh, introducing me and, and another hedge fund analyst uh, at a, a large fund who, you know, we had a couple of things in common, but maybe not really, I think at the end of the day, and buried in the long email was just his way of saying, you know, I, I had a really tough, um, tough conversation recently. I don't want to talk about it, but the way I'm, I'm going to feel better about it is by connecting to people that, that I think will get along. And I think that really was his attitude towards, um, towards the rest of the world. And it, it was always so frustrating to watch that sometimes that impulse got taken advantage of, you, you know, by whether it was funds that he did some work for that, that maybe turned out not to be money good. I know that happened a few times before he was introduced to present company um, to 
you know, obviously some relationship challenges, but but it was always with the best of intentions and and sort of trying to make the world a better place. And I, I loved him for that. And I, I miss him terribly. Well said. Well, we all do. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, I know that feeling and Matt and I had talked about that. And, that, you know, the problem is Matt would, if if you wanted to talk to him about any project, he would first offer to do the project and then you just pay him whatever you want. And that, <laughs> he, would, he would always, and, and I'd be like, Matt, you are just in the wrong business for that kind of model. How has it worked out for you? Terribly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that happened to him a lot. And, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, yeah, he was taken advantage of in that way, but you know, Matt was never a victim. You know, he just moved on with a good attitude. I wish I could do the same thing sometimes and just be positive about it and reach out to somebody like you when I'm having a bad day and saying, you know what, you know, I don't want you to fix my bad day. I don't want to tell you about my bad day. Let me hear about yours. Um, that, that's the kind of guy he was. So uh, our, our newest member to the uh, Matt Farrell relationship, uh, John Cheffers joined us this year. He's done a great job. And uh, you get to know Matt very, very quickly. I know you probably know him less, uh, less time-wise than the rest of us, but you've had some pretty good experience with him. Tell us about John. Yeah. So Matt, I didn't, no, I didn't know Matt when I first interacted with him. Um, like I was just writing For, stuff. Hold on, John. John, can I just ask? Yeah. Are you wearing a paperboy cap there, like from the 1930s or something like that? Like a FUBU hat? Newsies cap? Because Matt would love that. Yeah. He would absolutely. He would. He'd send you a patch for that. (laughs) That's right. He would. Yeah, he liked stuff like this. All I can say is, yeah, he liked liked all the old stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Matt and I, you know, I didn't know him at first. Um, We started interacting kind of like over Twitter when I was, I was writing stuff that was, wasn't um wasn't like short activist stuff but i was writing research for my last company and he was always happy to share it and he he always thought it was very interesting um and then you know when i joined wolfpack i realized it was that i was working with them so that was cool he was just a very funny person like he was always it was always a little bit difficult for me to tell whether or not he was being completely serious when he was telling me certain things you know it's like it's like you know, he'd tell you something. You're like, uh, really? Like, for example, funniest examples of this is we're just on this call and Scarelli had just gotten out of jail and Matt's like, Oh yeah. You know, like I was chatting with him the other day. (laughs) I'm like, we're like, we're all like, wait, what? What do you mean you were chatting with him? He's like, oh, you know, I started writing him when he was in prison just because I thought he might be kind of down and I wanted to, I wanted to say hi. And like we struck up a real friendship. We wrote like long, like I kind of assumed that they were writing. You just, you thought he was lying. You thought you did not believe. I thought he was just, I thought he was pulling my leg. I was like, are you joking? Like, what do you mean? You just started like jail, like you just started sending jail mail to this. You see this guy, famous guy goes to jail and. And you, well, you just start writing him to just see how he's doing. Like, I just couldn't believe it. He actually um, did that. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Like, that was the crazy thing. Like, yeah. he did do that. Um, so <laughs> that was pretty funny. And um, you guys are right. He's a very deferential guy. Like, it, it was never, there was never, like, any sort of ego. Um, there was never really any ego going on with Matt. He was never, like, jockeying for, like, 
position or power kind of be like lorded over anyone that he's been around at the company longer or anything like that. And he was, he was like that with almost everybody, but there's this really one funny interaction we had with this um, guy we were interviewing this, this former who was working for this company. And you guys know how Matt talked about things. Like he would just make fun of stuff. Like he would just, he just thought it was garbage, right? Like he would just condescend about companies that did things he didn't like. You know, he starts talking to this guy who used to work at this company. He's like, isn't it true that basically what all you guys do is you just got like saran wrap and an exacto knife and you're, do- you know, like he's just, he's just like, isn't it true that like basically it's just like, there's just some shabby garage. Like there's like, there's a, there's practically a homeless person living in this picture. Like I'm looking up pictures of this shabby garage. There's a homeless man sitting outside of it. How can you pretend that this is a real business? And he just starts railing on <laughs> this guy. And I just was like, it was like one of the funniest encounters. I had to mute myself. I had to get off the phone. I was just laughing out loud so hard during during this interview. I just couldn't help Which it. Which is why um, Matt never did former interviews. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was re- he was really missing the point that... Uh, you know, the, this this former employee might not be the getaway driver. Not everybody is a conspirator. So <laughs> leave it alone. Exactly. Exactly. So well, you got the gist of him quick, oh, man. Oh, yeah. No, he was great. Um, you know, and I, I, don't, I don't even know if to include this or not. It's kind of crazy. Um, our last conversation was actually really funny. Um, oh, gosh. there's There that goes. Um, our last conversation was really funny because... It was actually the same conversation where one of the guys who was working with us had basically put in this notice like the prior week and he was going to be around for another week, but he was leaving soon. And, and, you know, after Dan got off the phone, Matt just says to Reed and I, he's like, he's like with all the enthusiasm of like a kid at Christmas, he's like, I outlasted another one. You wouldn't believe it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, look, you know, uh, yeah, when you say he's deferential, one, you know, he would start out the call with an apology, sprinkling about <laughs> 10 of them as, as the call went on. He would apologize for being on time. He was never late, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, yeah. look, I'm not one to, like, call you guys all hours of the night and uh, or, you know, every single day, certainly not him. But when I would, it would be right away. Am I doing okay? Is everything all right? Is there something you have to tell me? Yeah, Matt, I need you to do some work. Oh, great. It's <laughs> just like, get the relief right out of the way. And that was for like, you know, four years. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he was always happy to be there. Uh, but, you know, a little unsure. I think he just uh, got burned a few times in the, in the uh, mid-2010s to 2020 range. Uh, but, yeah, very, very funny. I <laughs> outlasted another one. He would remind me of his tenure once in a while. And I did tell yeah. him how proud I am of him and that I'm going to get him a pin or a patch. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that, Judd. Dan, yeah. did, uh, did Matt tell you that he took about an acre and a half of his backyard? Yes. And I, I let's just put scare quotes around backyard. And he, he recreated a section of British World War I trash. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure we had so that I, out there. I actually like, found yeah. that As out. one does. I found that out secondhand. Um, there's some uh, investigators we use who it kind of came up in, in conversation. They're like, oh, yeah, we were in um, wherever it was, in like West Virginia. And then Matt traveled to see us. And I was like, oh, that's great. And they're like, 
oh, we had a great time with Matt. I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, in, in the trenches. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what, the four of you guys got together and, like, what do you do? Like, go to, the, like, the World War One Museum? They're like, no, he had us over to his house. I'm like, right, but the trenches, they're like, yeah, he's built life-size replicas in his garden. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he has. No floorboards either. Um, no. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he's... No, they, they, they actually, I remember from the article, he would give out uh, hot sauce in demilitarized grenades. And they, they found a bunch of them when everything went down. They found a bunch at his house. With, with World War I trenches. With World War trenches. So the, the news reports, they showed between 25 and 30 police vehicles there because they actually brought the bomb squad into his house because they were unsure what was going on in his house. Yeah. The dogs got some hot sauce. Yeah, they got hot sauce in a yeah. grenade. Yeah. I, you know, look, he, he was a different guy. And I know Freddie, you know, you know, that's a cool story. You and Carson knew him well. I mean, actually, I just to tell you, I reconnected with Matt after four or five years uh, showing up at your office, uh, you know, in like 2018 or something, end of 2018 and or, or beginning of 2019. And there he is in a seersucker suit ready to go to this event that we're all wearing hoodies, you know, to. <laughs> and, uh, and just that whole day, just talking to him, uh, you know, I thought he would make a good fit. And a lot of times he was. But he was at your office there, Carson. So I know you guys had some good experiences with him over the years. Tell us. First of all, I mean, very selfless. And, um, and I think you've said this before, to a fault, right? Mm -hmm. When I think the first time we engaged him to do research, I don't think either of us had met him face to face. Um, so we only knew him remotely and he did a great job. I mean, if you want somebody to just dig into something online, um, he's great. I mean, yes, you drink from the fire hose um, on the other end, but after he did all this, yeah, he's, he's just said, Oh, I, you know, that, that I, I don't need, I don't need payment. I love this work. I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, without being paid. And yeah, we were like, come on, man. Or electricity in his house. Like, no, well, I, I was like, dude, shut up. Flooring. This is so bad for me. What do you what do you want about? I'm like, you know, tell him you need to be paid more. Tell him you're really valuable to the process. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. but you know, we but I mean we were it was just beside ourselves. Yeah. Like, no, man, like seriously, we're gonna pay you. You know, what's fair? Oh, well, I don't need much. I don't I think we had to name the price. We're like, look, yeah. man, will you take five grand? And uh, you know, on the back end of making that payment, I, he he told you, he said, Oh yeah, I, I was able to get hot water now. Thank you guys. Yeah. I was, yeah. and it was just like you were volunteering to do this work, and you don't even hot water. Like, well, fuck I, you. I, just, I got them floors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, if we're really, yeah, you, you know, know what? I, 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 he told me that too, uh, because you know, at the time, you know, he he was working with us, and you know, sometimes he'd go on loan to friends, right? And he would ask first, and and whatever. That was a different time. And, and actually, I wanted to talk about that one, that one, too. And that was, uh, that was Burford Capital. Yeah. And uh, we, had, we had shorted this company. It was listed in the UK, um, run by just a complete group of douchebags. Lawyers. Uh, former. Uh, Still yeah, is. Former, former, run by douchebags. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> right. But former very top-tier firm lawyers. I think even uh, whiter shoes than, when, uh, than where Soren used to work. Um, <laughs> Impossible. Our ex <laughs> guys, you know, which 
they might have let you like you know hold their legal jocks for them at, at Sullivan and Cromwell. But um, <laughs> anyway, so so I I gotten a I I'd gotten a heads up that um, there was some there was some uh, discontentment within Burford over how the board meetings were always these luxury boondoggles. And I didn't really think there was much we could do to expose that, but but okay, you know, let me ping Matt and just set him on this. And, you know, he's like, when do you need this? I'm like, oh, look, man, it's not a rush. 36 hours later, this massive dossier, all of these social media postings from the the wives and girlfriends who you know, of board members who went on these things. He's got itineraries mapped out. I mean, years of yeah. board meetings. He knows where they took place, what kind of wines they were drinking, what the the leisure activities were. It was incredible, and I, you know, I, I just I looked at him in astonishment. I was like, or well, we weren't face to face, but I mean, I'm I'm astonished, and I said to him just. I'm like, how did you do this in 36 hours? He's like, oh, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I got, I, I just kept going through. I was so engaged and, I, you know, it was like five in the morning and I decided to go get two hours of sleep and wake up and start doing it again. And it was just, I mean, the guy was so dogged when um, he was onto something. And, uh, you know, and, and again, on the back end of that, he did the whole like, oh, don't worry about paying me. I love the, I love the work thing. And, you know, it's just like, man, I, of course, you know, like it was great work, and uh, and that that ended up being we furnished that to a uh, UK uh, paper. I think it's kind of a tabloid, and they did this this uh, article just skewering Burford for uh, being the yeah. luxury adventure travel. Right? Didn't they oh, have they, like a picture he found with like them sat pictures. around? Yeah, like somewhere in like yeah. the Bahamas or whatever. Yeah, with their luxury adventure travel yeah. club slash board membership uh, perks. So. But, the yeah. dogged work was just a hallmark of Matt. So there was there was a project we worked on, um, real shitbag business. It was these uh, you know for profit um, mental institutions, and I remember I think you know one of the things we were trying to look to do there were these reports at an institutional level, and you could see how many um, incidents had been. Um, reported so either deaths or serious injury or whatever and i they were reported at a state level and it was maybe 50 60 institutions so you know we found one or two internally went through them like okay this would be kind of cool to categorize just to say of course this was bought by private equity because yeah. you know, <laughs> sold and bought and sold it needs, <laughs> needs to be made worse yes. than it was um and so what happened was uh, I'd agreed, like, let's do 100 hours. And he was like, okay. And he called me back. And we're, used to, we're pretty used to, like, you know, you give something to an investigator and eh, results are a little underwhelming. And you're like, well, yeah, I, I also could have gone on Bloomberg and found these four things out. And why has this taken eight weeks? And he called back maybe four days in. It might have been 106 hours after the assignment was given. And he's like, Freddie, I'm really sorry. He goes, firstly, he'd done the full 100 hours, but he goes, I've had to stop because 
my powers down because of the like the generator or whatever got hit by lightning and he attaches a picture of whatever it was that was powering his house like a crankshaft that had been hit by lightning and i was like you know again like the 500 page dossier and it was awesome it was like it wasn't actually just drinking with vajos it had been like categorized is a, you know, this institution, eight deaths, six awful instances, like four patient abuse, blah, blah, blah. And it was like neatly categorized. And it was just an overwhelming body to the point where, and I, I think all of us can identify with this. You know, a lot of people think short selling is really exciting. You sit around, you find all these like, you know, you're sitting in the dark and you find them like, aha, gotcha. And it doesn't actually happen as often as people think. A lot of time it's hundreds of hours of work and some of it wasted. And he actually had the same dogged, rigorous approach to the hundreds of hours of grunt stuff that like a lot of us like spend a lot of time getting through. He did that with an enthusiasm that I think very few people were capable of doing. So I want to move on from touching on his work to his well, I got to talk about the uh, the the Broussard. Uh, oh story, yeah, though. so that that was also awesome. The the undercover stuff he did. Yeah. Well, so the so before I had met him in person, um, I mean, he had when he first approached us, he talked about how he was a former marine and said, if you ever need anybody to like, sit in a bush for a week and surveil, like I would love to do that. So anyway. Um, I had, uh, in, in 2015, we, we shorted this French hypermarket chain called Group Casino Guichard, and it was one of the wealthiest and most connected, uh, it was run by one of the wealthiest and most connected people in France, this guy, uh, Jean-Charles Nauri. And Nauri, like, went hardcore at us. I mean, he has a reputation for just, you know, the, like, going to war with each and every enemy of his. So, at some point, um, we started getting these outreaches from um, a reporter at the Wall Street Journal in Paris, and these were going to um, our, our PR firm, and guy's name was uh, William Horobin, and was asking to you know, for updates on what we were gonna be doing with Casino, and how the AMF investigation into us was going, and things like that. And like the second or third email that our PR firm received, we realized that we were like, hey, these are all coming from Gmail addresses. So we, we checked, with, you know, there is a real Bill Horbin, who's a journal reporter in Paris. We had somebody kind of make a back channel check to find out whether he'd been sending these. And he's, you know, he's like, nah, I don't cover casino. I, I have no interest. So we knew that we were dealing with um, an imposter and, you know, almost certainly somebody that Nalgri had, had set upon us. So just hung back, you know, over the course of a year and change, um, whenever these inquiries came in, just sort of jerked the guy off in response. But then he said, hey, I'm going to be in New York. I would love to sit down and meet. Um, and he was saying this to our PR guy. My PR guy, this was uh, like a Thursday, and uh, he, you know, he tells me this. And I said, shit, how, why don't you offer him, tell him Carson's going to be in New York on Monday and uh, would be happy to sit down uh, if you're interested. So the guy takes the bait. And now I'm like, well, I, I mean, I'm, I find it hard to believe the guy's gonna be this stupid or arrogant, but I need some security. I'm like, all right, well, we've got this guy, Matt Farrell, who used to be a Marine, 
Like, why don't I, you know, <laughs> ping this guy and see if he'd be willing to come up and just be my security in case, you know, some, some shit goes down. And, um, and Matt was immediately like, yeah, I'm there. But, uh, but he, but of course he starts giving me all these caveats about why he's not the right guy to do it. You know, he's like, well, I'm very cartoonish and <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that meant. Right. And, um, you know, I, I just like, <laughs> I mean, part of this is look, you're the only guy I can think of who I can get there on short notice. And I didn't come out <laughs> and say that, but, um, but anyway, so Matt comes up from, um, from Charleston and meets me at the hotel ahead of time. And yeah, he doesn't look like a Marine. It's like Roddy was saying <laughs> earlier, right? Like this, just like, ah, okay, well, all right. It's somebody, you know, it's, like, at this point you're thinking, it's not that's never an option. Um, actually, that's never, but, then, but yeah, but then Matt starts, like he starts, I brought you some, um, I brought you some things, you know, that you might want to use them for this meeting or later. And he starts handing me like all of these conceal, easily concealable weapons. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, you know, the world's, you know, it's, it's like the world's most discreet blackjack. Um, <laughs> this baseball cap that has like a, like a pouch sewn into it with lead balls in it. So you could also just use that to like bludgeon somebody. <laughs> he's got this, this fucking arsenal that he lays out for me. And um, I'm like, all right, you know, this is making uh -huh. up for it. So, so yeah, you know, we, we did the meeting and well, wait, which, which was, weapon did you pick though? That cause. Oh, well the, the baseball cap wasn't going to yeah. work cause I was in a suit, but, uh, but yeah, I had the, and I still look, I, I still have some of these weapons like hidden around my house <laughs> and also on my person. And you know, when I've got my backpack, just, I mean, it's kind of, you know, job we do, right. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, I mean, the world's smallest blackjack doesn't really, you know, cause me any back pain. You went with the around. sword phallus from seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for you. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. Anyway, um, he was he was there as security, and when um, when I confronted Broussard after he, you know, just like asked, uh, I mean, he just went right into it. wasn't subtle at all. You know, Broussard kind of looked this direction. I had some other, like there was an FT reporter at the table next to him, but he looked at the FT reporter and thought that was security. He looked at Matt, saw security. I had another guy like up on the balcony there in the um, atrium at the, uh, at the Pierre and, uh, and then the dude just ran out. And you all three lost him when he left the hotel. <laughs> yeah. No, the, well, the, the only, you needed the Freddy. Only, well, <laughs> Thank well, you, Dan. The, the only thing this guy had done, so the, the dude who was, you know, who met me turned out to be a guy named Jean-Charles Broussard, yeah. who was actually one of France's top counterterrorism experts. Oh, apparently not. And he's like a serious guy. <laughs> he had done one thing professionally, and that was he knew the exit. Yeah. He knew how the fuck to get out, and that's kind of why, yeah. I guess, the, the dudes that, you know, balcony and at the entrances lost him. But anyway, yeah, that was my, that was my first time meeting Matt in person, and... Uh, you know, wasn't what I had expected. Definitely didn't strike you as a, as a jarhead. But at the end of the day, you know, he you know he did show up with uh, with weaponry. Yeah. So who would have thought? Yeah. Benoit balls on a baseball cap. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can just knock somebody out. <laughs> you know, he. You know, touching on the weaponry. I mean, he. We were just discussing in the office the other day. Uh, you know, the difference between in, insanity and and eccentricity and everyone's like oh well if you have money you're eccentric and 
Matt is the only person I know without money that truly was extended. In the coolest way. The yeah. World, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the World War One trenches that I found out about, the um, you know, I, I remember Dan. I was, I was once. Uh, you had like a little apartment, I think, you were using as an office in New York, yeah. and we uh, we were stopping by. And in the corner, you had this uh, this taxidermy. Oh my god! And oh yeah. So this is what this was awesome. Yeah. So Dan is a big animal lover, yeah. like a big bit. No, sorry, I don't mean you love big animals. Yeah, I know. I'm a big guy. Go ahead. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big animal lover, and like Dan, I wouldn't picture you being a, a taxidermy guy. He's like, don't man. Matt Farrell, I think, spent his last dimes on it. And the idea was it was going to be like a wolf, like the wolf pack. Yeah. But I think it was actually just a, a dog. It was a coyote. A dog. The, 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 <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah, the, the guy. The guy, the guy was always Sorry. sending gifts. Like, you know, and yes. I would tell him, don't, you know, don't send me any gifts. I don't want any gifts. Like, you know, uh, you know, something that would shoot tennis balls out my backyard so my dogs could go chase them. Very nice. Uh, and then he sends me this stuffed wolf, as he calls it. Right. It's a stuffed wolf. And I'm like, Matt, what is this? He's like, oh, that's part of the pack. It's uh, it's a stuffed wolf. And uh, I was like, okay, one, <laughs> one, I don't know what wolf would want a stuffed member of their family <laughs> staring at them all night. <laughs> two, I totally am not into any kind of stuffed animals, uh, you know, whether it's taxidermy or not. And three, this is a coyote. <laughs> You know how you can tell? It's like, you know, 20 pounds. A wolf is like 200 pounds. He's like, oh, well, perhaps I can send it to somebody else in the pack. (laughs) That was his subtle way of throwing shade at your (laughs) throat. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. And all means whale's penis. That's right. That's why you're blue orca. That's why you blew the orca. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the, one of the first things he got. I could not believe he sent, he, I mean, and he had to know, like you would know Freddie that like, I mean, I would just like not want something that was a dead animal, but there you go. Maybe he's just screwing with me. He was a very, very sweet guy. He, he sent us a number of books and and letters. He he found out I, I was getting married, uh, different to your approach, Dan, which was like, don't uh he actually sent me a very <laughs> nice personal email and he he was very he was very sweet and uh well, go on the record of saying i was no, right but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he, he was so sweet that to be honest when when he first got in touch and i i'm not sure if it was jacob who put us in touch or if he he just got in touch i was yeah i was honestly a little um taken back because there's you know there are some people in in this industry that are less scrupulous and we're, you know we're not generally in finance used to people who are very sincere and kind and um i i sort of yeah i had to reference him with with a few people because i was sure you know not used to being talked at in the sort of same in in romance novel um <laughs> yeah. english and uh yeah he, he referenced very well and and i know lots of people thought of him very fondly so uh it's it just a very very sweet caring human being yeah he's not the kind of guy that talks wall street like hey you want to do deals let's do deals we're gonna do a deal no 
Total loss. Uh, Freddie is really saying he had to double check any reference from me. Like that. That was a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were in like a one-room apartment. Yeah. Right? Like, come on. Yeah. That's fair. Wait, we, he thought you and Matt were pulling a scam. <laughs> he he's like this is a real step down from what Sarandondel. They've got three rooms, yeah, can, yeah. with walls of condoms yeah. that Waker wears. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, you guys had a, a rich experience with Matt, and uh, I I know Sound Carl would want to say something because he was very tight with Matt, and I I hope you can mumble through it without crying because believe it or not, Carl's a very sensitive guy. I am, I am. Yeah, men do have emotions, but I mean, look, Matt was just a. a, a he was eccentric, but he was humble at the same time. And he just had such a unique story and he could absolutely name drop with, with, with the best of people, but it was almost like Carnes, John Carnes. You have to actually bring it out of him. Right? It, it just comes up so casually in a conversation. Um, one of the things uh, th that was amazing was he started his own cable TV show, much like the studio Carson, you and Freddie have there. Um, and the, the house band, <laughs> the house band was Dave Matthews band before they became big. Yeah. So, I mean, what? yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, oh. just an unbelievable. He leaves his private high school before he graduates and ends up going to college in France studying French decadence and modern literature. Yeah, at right? 17. At 17. Didn't yeah. even have his high school diploma, but talked his way into French university. Yeah. The, by the way, this is the most prestigious high school in the North American landmass, Phillips Exeter Academy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's very fittingly Matt, like, yep. This is silly. I don't want to go to Harvard. Time for me to study something that's absurd. Yeah. Thanks. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only Soren could have gotten into it among those of us here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Soren toward it. Yeah. It just, He's what, been there. Didn't make his final cut. Um, and, and then he ended up doing uh, philosophical uh, hermetics, British satire, and decadent literature at the College of William and Mary, rounding out with his master's from the University of North Carolina. In medieval philosophy, literature, and diaries of World War One, and we wonder why he had a trench in his backyard and wrote wrote a Harlequin novel. Yeah, he, Just, yeah, we weren't kidding when uh, Roddy wasn't kidding when he said when we said he knew the fringe of every subject. I mean, all the way out to the end of it. And uh, look. It's a big loss. It's a big loss to everybody. But, you know, I would just end up by saying, you know, our community will always miss him. But the, the new uh, activist shorts getting in the business are really going to miss him because he wrote, uh, as you can hear here, he wrote a note to all of them, their first report or whatever, or even if a report didn't go well, he knew, you know, every anonymous kind of short person that short seller that was just coming onto the scene and would offer to help them. And, you know, I have to tell you, I just don't, I just don't think that person's out there anymore that I know of. Uh, and that, that hurts the community. So having said that, if you're thinking about starting your own activist short shop, call Jacob, call Freddie, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're matches. tell you how bad of an idea it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So look, if uh, we're going to release this on the shortest day of the year, if you don't realize that you're hearing this on the shortest day of the year, then uh, take a take a minute, a short minute. And, you know, think about people who just really wanted to impact other people's life positively. That was Matt Farrell. Um, and he'll be very much so missed. Any last words from anybody else? Yeah, Dan, I actually thought uh, you could cut this if it doesn't fit. 
or slot it in somewhere else. But uh, God, I I've heard that so many that times. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I could read that Corey Cold poem if if you guys liked it. Yeah. I, I know we exchanged it over email earlier. Jacob, why don't you why don't you go ahead and just sign us off reading that poem that uh, Matt Farrell sent you? That would be. I think he'd like that. Great, I'll I'll do that. So, uh, for those not familiar, Keurig was uh, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. It was a battleground stock, uh, widely shorted, um, and ultimately acquired. Uh, caused a lot of pain for some people, but others with, with better timing, maybe less so. But uh, Matt found the humor in it, and and he wrote a, a poem which he entitled "Cold" about their Keurig Cold product, which was much hyped and and overly so. Should you lack for what to drink, approach that dingus by the sink. Take your water sugared bold from this modest of cons, Keurig cold. Now it's Friday, a hot young date. Mustn't she crave to wet her palate? Are you man or mouse of the wold? Dazzle her with your Keurig cold. Arriving home from pure all sport, kids line counters in mad cavort. Scorning Kool-Aid when they're pulled. Come on, Mom, we want curry cold. After a day of toil and strife, rejoined at home our man and wife. Love's soft nest, having to hold, bound by the ring as by curry cold. <laughs> no more wrestle with bottle or can is alike Promethean fire to man. Humanity advances, future to hold, pod to destiny with curry cold. <laughs> and the final stanza, I, I think in some way, um, re really Matt was foretelling his own future. All a life you've worked and rolled with such punches as fate foretold. Now at the end, all safe in the fold. Reward is sweetest from Craig. <laughs> <laughs> how can how can the world not miss a man like that? It's so great, uh, and I know that that just absolutely crushed some funds. So uh, that's kind of funny too. Hey, you know, look from the bottom of my heart, I really want to thank you guys. I mean, you guys. You guys have all made this easier on us too. Um, you know, the, the kind words and the reaching out and, you know, letting us talk a little bit and uh, cry on your shoulder, so to speak, uh, or literally. Uh, so, you know, from, from all the guys at Wolfpack that were, that are here and that, you know, just couldn't join because it was a little emotional. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. And to some of the listeners who, uh, who wrote in as well. Thank you very much. And, uh, Thank you, Dan. Thanks for putting this together. Yeah, yeah. this was a great Good. idea. Thank you for doing it. I feel a lot better. Thank you. Great. All right, guys. Well, the next one's going to be more upbeat. Uh, our next podcast will, I'm sure, revolve around uh, destroying a fraudulent company, <laughs> which I always find more upbeat. Uh, if not here on Zeros, that's always fun to listen to and see. So join us back in those forums and for those reasons. And uh, that would be a great thing for Matt Farrell.